Kelly A from Texas says the angel membership has helped me tremendously to trust, trust my intuition, how to communicate with my angels and guides, to trust the messages I'm receiving and my sense of knowing. Oh, Kelly, Kelly A from Texas. I love you. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. beautiful soul have you ever wanted to speak to angels do you believe angels can support you in your daily life if this is you go to my website homepage theangelmedium.com and sign up for my weekly angel message email as a gift for signing up i'm giving you access to free resources including 31 healing meditations that if you do daily are going to help you hear your angels and your own intuition more clearly start using these today and you'll see changes in 31 days now take a deep breath feel the presence of your angels as they fill you with love joy peace bliss and ease and remember your angels say the messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you hello beautiful souls welcome back to the angels and awakening podcast i'm your host and author julie jancis friends here at the angels and awakening podcast we focus on the spiritual, not religion. However, just as we have Buddhist monks come on the show, rabbis on the show, I was so delighted when Pastor Nona Jones wanted to come on the show. She was named Essence Magazine's 40 Under 40 to Watch, and she leads a church in Gainesville, Florida. Nona's new book, Killing Comparisons, is about rejecting the lie that you aren't good enough and living confidently in who God made you to be. Nona, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yay, I am too. Okay, so for anybody watching over on YouTube, I've got the book up here. It's called Killing Comparisons. Comes, um, well, this will air, I think, in October. So it came out September 27th. So you can purchase it. There's so much in this book about really kind of where we are at today with a divine feminine energy of, and it's not just feminine, there's men who compare, but we do a lot of this comparison with one another, with ourselves. And in my own work, I see this as one of the biggest things holding people back from their purpose, from really living out their purpose. So talk to us about comparisons, killing comparisons, and you know, what is the root of it? Where does it start? Mm. Yeah, well, let me first say that your point about how comparison in so many ways, it steals purpose. That's exactly right. Because what comparison does is it causes us to essentially shrink our purpose down so that it fits into the small container of other people's opinion of what is valuable and what is worthy. And I think a lot of times we think that, you know, insecurity is a function of low self-esteem, but 
I don't agree with that. Um, Self-esteem is actually defined as um, having confidence in one's value, um, respecting one's self. And I have found that there are people who have, you know, confidence in themselves and respect themselves who are still vulnerable to the toxic effect of comparison. And so fundamentally, I think comparison, it results from um, a question. And that question is usually derived from seeing somebody else achieve what we would like to achieve for ourselves. And so let's just say that, you know, we're single and, you know, we would love to be married. And so we see someone get married and now we're asking ourselves, why them, not me? Um, let's say that, you know, we wanted to get a promotion on our job and somebody else gets the promotion and we didn't get it. And then the question becomes, well, why am I not good enough? And these questions are the result of securing our identity to what I call an insecure foundation. And something that's insecure is something that's subject to um, shifting currents. It's something that other people control and have power over. And so the reason I really wrote this book is I'm trying to restore people's power over their purpose and over their life without comparison to what other people think. Reminds me of... Uh, an example that I hear used a lot within the spiritual community that there can be so much happening above the water, right? If you think of the ocean and there can be the birds going and uh, boats and cruise ships and just all this uh, hurricanes happening above. But really, when you have this deep-seated foundation of spirituality, of God in your life, it's like you're at the bottom of the ocean and you just have the peaceful, the peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I could almost flip that because I, I fly a lot. And so something that has always amazed me is I've been in several situations where, you know, on the ground, it's like a torrential storm and we're getting on the plane and it's a, you know, it's raining and it's just, it looks really, really bad. Well, you know, we go to the runway we take off and we're lifting up and we're going through the rain. And there comes a point where you start to um, lift through the clouds and you get on the other side of those thick clouds and you emerge into just clear blue skies, which is a reminder that just because there is you know trouble happening beneath the clouds, that doesn't mean that it's that way everywhere. And so we oftentimes just have to, to elevate our thinking. And, and so we can get to that place of peace and tranquility where we're anchored. And that's really the whole point of Killing Comparison is helping people to anchor your identity so that you're not subjected to the shifting currents of people's opinions. Well, that was something that I wrote down as I was reading through the book, because when you're making comparisons, you're actually anchoring into that comparison itself. And really this awareness that you bring in and how you teach people in the book to kind of step out of that, you're right. I, I didn't think about it that way, but you're anchoring into, how did you say it? You're anchoring into your identity yeah. because that's fundamentally what insecurity is about. Like I said earlier, it's not about self-esteem. It really is about where do you take your identity from? Because if it's coming from a place that's subject to other people's approval or other people's opinions of what matters, 
you're going to end up subjected to other people's shifting value of you. And that can be unsettling. A hundred percent. So you start out the book really talking about you go on Instagram or Facebook one day <laughs> and you see, um, you know, one person after another after yeah. another is announcing that they got invited <laughs> to speak at this conference. And mm -hmm. oh, Nona, I could just feel that energy <laughs> and just imagine that happening, like how within you, you know, this this voice starts up. Why not me? Why didn't I get invited? Talk to us a little bit about this and how did you work through that? Because what you're also talking about, and I want the listeners to see this, is that there's a dynamic when you have this comparison. As I was reading that story, it wasn't just the egoic mind kind of bombarding you with all of these lies. It's also this vibration that just comes into your body of like, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. you feel it. You feel mm -hmm. it. Yes. Mm -hmm. How do you work through that? Because we've all experienced that and we're all going to experience it again. Yeah. Well, so to give everyone um, some context on the story. So um, this story is really important because frankly, it's what actually catalyzed what I call my inquisition, <laughs> my self-inquisition into what was happening with me as it relates to toxic comparison. So, you know, I am, I'm a speaker. I, um, I speak um, in various venues. I've been very, very fortunate to speak all over the world. And 2020 in particular was going to be an amazing year for me because I was releasing two books. I had a full calendar of speaking engagements. I was going to be speaking in, um, in Singapore and Brazil and Europe and Africa. And it was just an, an incredible year. Well, you know, the pandemic happened and um, like every other you know speaker, I ended up with a full or excuse me, a, a clear calendar really um, because so many events got canceled. Well, um, I happened to go on Instagram one morning and usually I bypass my news feed. I go straight to my notifications because I like to respond to people's comments. And I caught a glimpse of my news feed that morning. And there was a post from a friend of mine who was announcing that she was going to be speaking at this major women's conference that usually met in person, but it was going virtual because of the pandemic. And so I saw it and I thought, oh, that's cool. No big deal, right? And just, oh, that's cool. Well, I scrolled a little more and I saw another friend that posted about speaking at this conference. And I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> and then I <laughs> scrolled some more. And like, I promise you, it was like post after post after post of my friends speaking at this conference. And so I knew all the speakers, I knew the host. And as I kind of let it all settle on me, I began to ask, why wasn't I invited? Like, these are questions I was thinking in my head, like, well, why wasn't I invited? Like, why was I overlooked? Why did the host basically pick everyone that we mutually know in our social circle, but not me? Um, and it was all these questions that were being asked. And, you know, as, as a Christian, I, I pray and I really ask like, okay, well, Lord, help me decipher what's happening. And as I was asking all of those why questions, why am I not good enough? Why don't I measure up? I heard the Holy Spirit ask a different question, which was, Nona, why does it matter? And that question stopped my thoughts in their tracks. And it's a question I had never considered before. You know, when I was drowning in feelings of inadequacy, I would just bombard myself with questions of, you know, why am I not good enough? But the question, why does it matter? It really made me have to go like double click 
into what I was was feeling. And, and my response was, well, you know, it matters because this is a major event that's happening. There's going to be a ton of people watching it and I'm not speaking at it. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say again, so let me understand, are you saying that you only have as much value as the speaking engagements you receive? And I was like, no, um, <laughs> I was like, I know what the Bible says about being fearfully and wonderfully made. I know about, you know, um, my, my role in, in the kingdom and how I'm special in your eyes and all this. And, and I heard the Holy Spirit then say, well, no, no, the problem isn't what you know in your head. It's what you believe in your heart. Mm-hmm. And that started really started my, my inquisition to be like, man, what is it that I believe in my heart? that is actually overpowering what I know in my head. And it really helped me to start asking some serious questions. And that's what got me on the path to freedom. I love it. I love it. So I want to talk about when you have purpose in your life, I think it's one of the things that I've just always known. It's just come so naturally that I am here because God wants me to hear. I'm here because God wants my soul to be here at this time. I am here because my soul has purpose. When you anchor into that, a lot of times, and this happened for me very easily, and you talk about it in your book, just naturally in Girl Scouts, I would be going door to door every year selling cookies. And I remember it being a fun thing for my dad and I to do. And I would go to every subdivision that I could. I'd go every day after school. And the next year, I'd always try and outsell myself from the year before. I wasn't looking at what other people were selling. I wasn't asking what other people were selling. I just wanted to, I think they were giving away a bike at the time. They had really good prizes back then. I wanted that bike. Yep. Yeah. So every year I would just try and outdo myself. And you said that there's something uh, similar to that when it comes to running and you're a runner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of people maybe did not grow up with that mentality though of really striving against your own personal best. How can people make that mind mindset shift of it's not about what other people are doing? Because a lot of times I see this in the business owners that I coach where they're totally held back for six months, nine months, a year, five years. Because instead of comparing themselves to their own personal best and just trying to take that next step forward for themselves, they keep comparing themselves to the person who has 2 million Instagram followers and is, you know, making $10 million a year or whatever it might be. And because they're not there where that other person is, it it really does create this defeated energy within their entire being that yanks them back as if they have a thousand pounds on their shoulders. How can people make that mindset shift? So as you were talking, um, I, I started to look up on my phone. Um, there is a, a passage of scripture that I want to read that I think is really important. It's, it served me well. 
I know that people have, you know, different um, views as it relates to creation and, and all of that. Uh, but there's a beautiful scripture in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, where this is, this is God speaking to Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That is so powerful to me. I get chills every time I read it because it's really speaking to intentionality mm -hmm. and the fact that before the sperm met the egg, there was intentionality on you, your spirit, like it's, it had purpose and there was a unique purpose. And then the verse goes on to say, I set you apart when you're set apart. It means that you are different by design. You are unique by design. There is no duplicate of you. Um, there is no extra of you. And so because of that, we have to be careful about comparing what is priceless against something else that is priceless. I give the example in the book, um, there's a painter, his name is uh, Edgar Degas, and he made a beautiful statement. And it took me a minute to really understand what he was saying, but he said, he's a impressionist painter, master painter. And he made a statement. He said, when you don't know how to paint, it's very easy, but when you do, it's very hard. And that thing got me for a while because I was like, what do you mean? Like, if you know how to paint, it should be easy. But what he was saying is that a master painter, an artist, they don't just slap paint on a canvas and say, hey, y'all, look at what I did, which is what we do as amateurs, right? We're like, we go to paint with friends and we slap some paint on the canvas and we're so proud. No, a master artist takes their time with the piece of art and they don't declare it finished until it is perfect in their eyes. And we have this saying that, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but that's not true. I, I flip it in the book where I say, perfection is not in the eye of the beholder. Perfection is in the eye of the creator. And so you were literally created perfect. And getting back to this idea of a personal best and a personal record, you can only be the best you you can't be the best someone else. And God um, really gave me a, an understanding of this. I, I like to think in numbers. So let's say that you're born with a potential of a thousand. And let's say somebody else is displaying a potential of, I don't know, 500. But your potential is at 300. You're comparing 300 to their 500 and you think, that you need to just get to their 500. And if I get to their 500, then I'll be great. But what you don't realize is you have a thousand on the inside of you. And so that person is at 500 because that's their ceiling, but that's your floor. You have more in you. And I think the toxic power of comparison will make you live beneath your potential. It will make you set your personal best against someone else's personal best but there's more on the inside of you. And so that's why we have to stay focused on our lane and our personal best so that we can activate the fullness of our personal potential. I totally agree. And I, I learned this early too. So I started writing for newspapers when I was 14 years old 
And I remember a friend asking me one day, do you read your own work? Like, do you go back? And I said, no, I never do. And I never go back and listen to my own podcasts. And I don't listen to a lot of other people's podcasts because I don't want to emulate anyone. I just want to be a channel that a tool, Mm -hmm. whatever God needs to bring through, the Mm -hmm. divine needs to be bring through is able to just flow through. That's not to say that when I feel called by spirit to like divinely listen to this or watch that, Mm -hmm. obviously I think that those are coming in to inspire us in different ways, but I think that's really a fascinating perspective. Friends, want a five-day free trial of the Angel Membership? Go to angelwellnesscenter.com backslash free trial to start your free trial today. You're not going to want to miss out on 2023 in the Angel Membership. We're adding intuitive development circles, expert guest faculty teachers, 40 new pre-recorded energy healing sessions guiding you to hear your own angel messages and content exclusively for kids. A whole year of new angel membership content starts January 1st, 2023. The angels call it a year of ease and healing the whole you, mind, body, and spirit. With topics like somatic healing and embodiment work, we're focused on spiritually healing the whole being through a journey of personal transformation. Plus, you'll get access to live events and past content. Sign up for your five-day free trial now. One more surprise, we launched the Intuitive Kids podcast early. You can now listen everywhere podcasts are found. To celebrate, we're giving away dozens of prizes in a drawing for people who leave a five-star positive review. So don't forget, leave a review of the Intuitive Kids podcast and separately sign up for your five-day free trial of the Angel Membership. We know you're going to love it. Details are in the show notes. I'm wondering this, do you feel that there's ever such a thing as healthy competition where, you know, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, they had this, I don't know if it was a healthy competition, but they were competitive. And because of it, they created and innovated so much. Where, where is there space for that as well? I love this question because Uh, One of the concepts that I tackle in in my book is that comparison can actually create one of two outcomes. And I liken it to, I was a microbiology and cell science major in college. And so um, I oftentimes will use like physiological analogies, but I liken it to the physiological processes of inhaling and exhaling air. So when you inhale air into your lungs, what it does is it, it, it helps to enliven you. Like it gives you vitality. It gives you energy, right? Um, that process, the process of inhaling air into your lungs is called inspiration. When we are comparing ourselves in a healthy way, 
it creates inspiration. Like it causes us to actually um, optimize our potential. Um, it, it, it invigorates us. It, it excites us. We see somebody else doing something great. And we're like, man, that's amazing. What can I learn from them? How can I strive to, to do what they're doing and, and, and be the best me that I can be? That's what healthy comparison does. On the flip side, uh, when you exhale air out of your lungs, that's the physiological process called expiration. So when you breathe air out, that can lead to fatigue, that can lead to distress, and it leads to death, which is why when a person takes their last breath, it's called their expiration date. So toxic comparison expires you. You'll feel uh, overwhelmed. You'll start to think things like, why am I not good enough? I can never measure up. Why them, not me? And so those two outcomes are important to recognize because not all comparison is bad. Um, I tell the story in the book about how uh, I lost 100 pounds 10 years ago. I had I had struggled my whole life to lose weight. I had been morbidly obese, like literally categorized as morbidly obese for the vast majority of my life. Well, what set me on my weight loss journey for the last time was coming across a YouTube video of a woman who started at the same weight I was, and she lost 100 pounds and kept it off for like a decade. And so when I saw her video, it inspired me. I was able to compare my start to hers. And I could see that because she was able to accomplish what I had on my in my heart, that it was possible. And so, yes, I do believe that healthy comparison is a good thing. And it's also a choice. There's a theme that I share throughout the book. There's a story in the Bible um, about, you know, most people know about David and they know about Saul, how Saul was jealous of David and David killed Goliath and Saul was jealous. But there's there's not a lot of conversation about the third person in that story, who is Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son. Now, Saul was already king. He felt threatened by David, who wasn't king. But the reality is, if you know that story, David didn't threaten Saul because Saul was already king. David was a threat to Jonathan <laughs> because Jonathan was the next in line to be king. So if the people approved of David more than Saul, it wouldn't have cost Saul the kingdom. It would have cost Jonathan the kingdom, but Jonathan wasn't threatened by David. He loved David. He even gave David his royal garments and his weapons so that he could be more successful because when he looked at David, he was inspired by David. And that's where we have to be. Whereas Saul chose expiration, Jonathan chose inspiration. And that's where I want us to go. Absolutely. And I think that that's been a collective message that's been coming through from the divine lately that we need one another and we need to celebrate one another and we need to come to this place where we are finding that inspiration and helping one another forward, even if we're in the same business as one another. How do you celebrate one another's wins? Oh my goodness. When I see somebody, uh, it's usually on you know social media just because I travel so much and I don't always get to connect with my friends one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but if I see somebody accomplish something, I send them a text. I'm so proud of you. Um, I may even send them a gift card like, hey, have some dinner on me. Go celebrate. If I am going to see them, I'll give them a gift. Um, I try to celebrate them in a tangible way. Not even sometimes what we do is we're like, oh, I'm happy for them, but we don't actually tell the person. Um, but I tell them and make sure they know that I'm rooting for them. And then I also try to find ways 
to support them so that they'll be even more successful. A prayer that I've prayed over people where, you know, their success has maybe triggered insecurity in me is the prayer I've learned to pray is God enlarge their territory. Bless them, continue to favor them, take them further, Father, blow their mind with their success. Like I pray those things really as a counterbalance to allowing toxic comparison to make me see them as a threat or as competition. It's like, no, I'm not in competition with you because I'm in my lane. Yeah. I talk in the book about this idea of humility being a superpower. Humility is a superpower because humility is not about thinking lowly of yourself. Humility is about fully occupying the lane that God has given to you. So when I see somebody succeed in their lane, that's great because it's not my lane. (laughs) So I'm not threatened by what they're doing in their lane. I'm actually excited for them. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but these memories keep coming up of uh, when I was younger. And when I was in my senior year of high school, I was not going to be able to go to college unless I got scholarships to fund it. There was just no way for me. And so uh, there's a really wonderful woman in our resource, uh, like kind of career office that kept these two file folders back in the day because everything was not online. It was all paper. And she kept all of these different folders of scholarships. So I applied. I'd go there during my lunch hour. I'd apply for all of them. And I'd be in conversations with other friends and spirit would say, tell them about this scholarship. And I'd be like, no, I could hear my own egoic mind fighting back. Like, I don't want them to get that scholarship. I need that to go to college. And I kept hearing over and over again, there's room for all. There's space for all. There's abundance for all. And so I opened up and I just started telling whoever they told me to say it too. I just started saying, you should go over this career office, apply for these scholarships. And I've incorporated that into so much of my life. And I find that when I do that, it creates this expansion, like expansion energy within Mm -hmm. me where I feel myself grow. And it's not on purpose. That was not the intention of speaking it. It's just something spirit said, hey, tell this person. But every time I do, um, every time I celebrate others, this natural expansion happens. Do you find that as well? Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up because there's a story I tell in the book um, around this idea that every opportunity that we have is really an opportunity for us to be a conduit for God's grace and God's love for other people. And sometimes what happens is toxic comparison will cause us to become hoarders of grace. Because we feel like, well, to your point, if I tell them about this, then I'll somehow miss out (laughs) on, you know, my blessing. Um, But blessings are in the realm of abundance. There is no scarcity of favor. (laughs) And so um, like there's uh, sometimes we think of favor and blessing as if there's like only a certain allocation, a certain number of units. And that's not true. And so I had a situation where 
I was invited to this gathering of, of so-called influencers, you know, people who are considered influential in their various domains. And uh, I was invited to go and um, the host sent me a link to see who else was invited. And so I clicked the link and I looked at the list and I mean, it was an incredible list of people. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I just can't believe I was invited to this. And as I scrolled through the list, I realized that my name wasn't on the list. And so I was like, man, was I an afterthought? Like, did the host just invite me because other people couldn't make it? Like, like it just, it triggered insecurity until I heard the Lord say, all right, Nona. And this is when I was pretty well down my path to freedom. I was really starting to learn more about how to live a life that is free from insecurity. Um, I heard the, the Holy Spirit say, all right, Nona, here's what I want you to do. The way that you feel right now, what, what, it, what it triggered in you, I want you to look at this list see who else is missing and invite them. And so I was like, I can't invite people to another person's event, but I reached out to the host and I said, Hey, would you mind if I you know, invited a few more people whose names I don't see that I think should be at the event? And the host was like, of course, please do. And so I looked through the list and I identified some folks who weren't on the list. And uh, I reached out to them and I told them about it. I said, I really think you should be there. Now, several of the people looked at the list and they did what I did, which is they were like, I don't see my name on this list. I don't think I'm supposed to be there. But then there were other people who were like, oh yeah, they reached out to me, but I can't go. And I was just like, at first I was like, wait a minute. So they reached out to you. You knew about it. You didn't see my name and you didn't tell me about it. Like that, that, was, that was my first response. <laughs> but then the Holy Spirit was like, this isn't about them. This is about you. And so, you know, invited everybody. And as it turned out, I ended up not being able to go. So all <laughs> these people went and I couldn't even go. But the point was that it really helped me to decouple my identity from that, to decouple my identity from being considered an influencer and being considered important. And that again, gets into humility. It's like, whether I wear a title, whether I'm invited, whether I uh, am asked to do something chosen or not, my identity is firmly anchored to who God says I am. And so those things don't make me more or less of who I am. Yeah. As I was reading through your book, I noted two ways that I think I'm more susceptible to be triggered to insecurity in these two like energies that I get into. I am learning how to comfort myself emotionally and just kind of be there to support myself. I'm not sure that all of us know how to do this because it was not something that generationally yeah. our grandparents had, our parents had, but we're bringing it in in this generation here and now. I think that's one element to it. The other thing that I noted down is I'm an overworker. It's my addiction by nature to just kind of go, 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 go. Um, and I read something recently that said mental fatigue, mental overwhelm sometimes taxes the physical body more than um, physical activity itself. And I'm wondering if we become so depleted that 
we kind of get into these moments where we can be triggered and I guess our guard comes down and we're not as much ourselves. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. And you're absolutely right. Um, which is part of the reason why one of the suggestions I make in the book, and this is kind of counterintuitive since I work in the social media space is I tell people guard your eyes in order to guard your heart. Um, because what you see can very well trigger you. And if you're in a state of emotional depletion, spiritual depletion, intellectual depletion, you will see things that will trigger that toxic spiral of thoughts to be like, oh gosh, you know what? Why them? Not me. Why am I not good enough? No, you know, nothing I do ever matters. Nothing I do is, is ever valuable. And so we have to guard our eyes and, and guard our hearts so that we don't find ourselves in a situation to where something that we're seeing or even hearing is causing us to question um, our value. But yes, that absolutely happens. That's a really interesting point. I don't know if anybody listening out there has ever done this before. I find it's with the kindest, sweetest people in the entire world. I've only had this happen once, um, but a woman I know, I've known her since I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. She is literally like Snow White, like the most perfect person, gentle, sweet. But she also goes on these amazing vacations and has like the perfect family and is yeah. in perfect shape and has the perfect yes. career and is like constantly like growing at the perfect pace. And like, I think probably about like 2013 or 2014, I was like, block. Like I just right, I right, don't right, want right. to see this because yes. every time I saw it, I would leave like social media yes. or Instagram and just be like, yeah. I, and I hate myself for it because you could not find a kinder, more gentle, loving being on this earth. And I do want to celebrate her 110%. But I, I still, I feel guilty about that. Should I feel guilty? No. And I'll tell you why that is part of the human condition. You know, I think there are people you'd be surprised in, in writing this book. Um, I had a focus group of about a hundred people. Several of the people would fall into that category of just like the perfect, like you, you would think that like, you know, that God just like took a piece, <laughs> a piece and like formed them out of, you know, godness because they're just yes. perfect. But but they even said like reading through the manuscripts um in many instances they said that there were other people that their insecurity was triggered by as, as so-called perfect as they were. And again, I think that's part of the human condition. And so instead of feeling guilty about it, I think we have to just acknowledge it. We have to yeah. acknowledge it. Um and I think part of the acknowledgement helps us to reclaim our power over it. And guilt has toxic power, you know, it because it keeps you in a constant state of, again, measuring yourself against a standard that just isn't, it isn't real. It isn't real. And so the idea that, well, I shouldn't be triggered by this perfect seeming person, that's not true. Most people would probably be triggered by that as well, because that's not, um, that's not attainable. So don't feel guilty about it, but I think acknowledging it um, and just being willing to work on it. And that's part of what I've tried to do in this book is give people the tools to get free from it. 
Yeah, I love that. And one of the things that I learned from your book, too, is that that comparison itself can really stem from shame, fear, sadness, bitterness. Can you explain the difference and how you work through them differently? Sure. Yeah. So one one of the things I tried to, to hone in on, because if you ask the average person, you know, are you insecure? They will probably say, no, I'm fine. But if you start to dig into the the emotions that they feel um, when they see somebody else succeed in an area that they would like to succeed in, you will start to uncover that, oh, there is something there. And so, you know, guilt and shame are words that are used often interchangeably, but they're very different. So going back to guilt uh, for a moment, guilt is typically what we feel because we made a mistake, something that we did, you know, it harmed somebody else. And we can actually feel guilty about things that we didn't even do. So for example, let's say that you came from a family that uh, didn't have a lot of money and you were the first person in your family to go to college. And all of a sudden people are saying, oh, you think you're better than us because you're going to college. Well, you don't really think that, but now you're feeling guilty because they think that you think that. And so guilt is one of those things that um, you can alleviate guilt by changing your future behavior. So if you change your future behavior, you can fix the mistake of your past. Shame, on the other hand, shame is not about your behavior. Instead of saying, hey, I made a mistake and I'm sorry, shame says I am a mistake and I'm worthless. It's really about your identity. And so when we're in shame, if we see somebody else you know, succeed or we you know, see somebody else do something great, the shame within us will say, see, I could never be like that. because it's about identity, how I see myself. Guilt will be like, well, man, you know, maybe if I try a few things, I could eventually be like that. I'm just not like that today. Fear is is one of those feelings where um, it causes us to have a, a hypersensitivity to the probability of harm. So, you know, fear will cause us to lash out at people. Maybe they only said something that was mildly offensive, but we're like super angry about it because for us, that was harmful. It was deeply uh, problematic. And fear can also be triggered by seeing somebody else succeed because when we see their success, it reminds us that we're not where they are. And so now we become fearful of the fact that we may never be where they are. And it also can be paralyzing. Fear can paralyze you because it's like, well, I don't want to even try because if I fail, it will be really embarrassing. Um, and so those are just a few of the ways that I've, I've seen how comparison can show up in our lives as, as well as through anger and how we respond to people. And um, it, it just becomes very toxic. And that's why acknowledging that I feel this way is key to even being able to start to do the work to get free from it. Incredible. And in your book, uh, as people buy it and work through it, you talk about recognizing it, reframing it, releasing it, which is just really wonderful too. Nona, thank you so much for being here. You're such a delight. I love your Instagram page too. People should follow you over there. There's just so much like joy and inspiration. 
Um, where can people find the book? Where can people find you? Oh, sure. Well, it was such a joy to be with you. Um, people can find it at killingcomparison.com. Um, it's available in all major book outlets, which I'm super excited about. Um, as well as you can follow me on um, Instagram, YouTube, I'm on Facebook and uh, TikTok. My handle is the same across all platforms. It's at Nona, not Nora. I get called Nora Jones all the time, but that's not who I am. I'm Nona Jones. I wish I was Nora Jones and had her bank account, but uh, I don't. So did I say <laughs> did I say Nora again? No, 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 oh, no, okay. you didn't. You okay. did. You're good. Okay. But that's my handle. It's at Nona, not Nora. So, <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for your blessing of just being here. We so appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Beautiful soul, thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at angelpodcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you. <laughs> 